This is Leafs Game Night on TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network. The Leafs live here. Final seconds ticking down. The Leafs keep the puck in. The Hawks will get it out at center, push it to the line, and then send it in wide of the Toronto goal. Eight seconds left, and the folks on Madison Street will go home happy. They haven't been able to do a lot of celebrating in the last couple of years, but this one is a big one. As far as the Leafs are concerned, as they are beaten in Chicago by the score of 5-3. to three. And Jackson Stauber could give a crap about <laughs> Connor Bernard. <laughs> that is Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph summing in a 5-3 Chicago over the Leafs. Welcome to the Leafs game night. Jim Taddy, Frank Corrado, and Jimmy Ralph with you. That is the 11th Chicago home ice win of the season. Tough times for them, but on this particular night, Patrick Kane leading the way, and they got it done. Uh, Ralphie, I mean, you know, the, the least record on uh, going back to 05, 06 on back-to-back Saturday, Sunday is, is 9, 15, and 2. I don't know what the expectations were, but it was Chicago, and I, I think we were expecting a little sharper performance, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember us, the, you know, talking about how tired um, Chicago was in Toronto after playing in Montreal the night before, so... Uh, or, you know, giving that as the reason that uh, the Leafs won a game. So uh, I don't think you can you can use that as an excuse on the back-to-backs. I mean, it's, a, what, an hour earlier than it might have been if it was a, an Eastern time zone game. But, um, yeah, I, I think the disappointing part, especially, you work your way to get back even in the third period, and, you um, you know, Brody gets caught, nobody covers for him, and, and you give up an odd man rush to lose the game. I think... Um, sometimes it's uh, how you lose as much as it is uh, not being able to get the two points. And that, that wasn't the only odd man rush. It felt like tonight it was more than usual, and Ilya Samsonov had to make a ton of saves. But, I mean, you, this is a game where you can make it pretty easy on yourself. I know like you, you've got the travel, and you, and you might be tired, and you played last night. All the more reason to not play this kind of run-and-gun game, but there they were. It just felt like it was odd man rush after odd man rush for the Leafs tonight. Yeah, and you know what? And it comes in this stretch where you look at the schedule and you said you've got these home games, uh, you've got opponents that are in the bottom three or four of the National Hockey League, and if you want home ice advantage or, or at least position yourself as best as possible in the postseason, uh, you've got to take advantage of this. And, uh, you know, going from the home and home with uh, Columbus, the two games against Chicago, and even going back to, you know, they played in Montreal a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so those six games, you only won three out of the six against teams that, um, you know, I, I think five out of six you would have been happy with. But, uh, you know, to split those games, it's just, you know, kind of the the age-old problem for the Leafs is uh, being unable to, to take advantage of a team that, um, on paper, especially, you're, you're so much better than. You know, there were moments there. Certainly the Achari goal seemed to pump air in the Leafs' tires, and the Marner goal certainly did, and then it just went away. It, kind of an odd game that way. There was really no consistent momentum, was there? No, and I, and I think even though, um, you know, Samsonov made a great save off Max Domi late, uh, I, I don't think he was at the top of his game either. Um, you know, there, there seemed to be a lot of shots that sort of hit him, and then you saw that glance in behind. Patrick Kane almost bounced another one um, off him off the side of his head. Uh, late in the third period. So, um, you know, I, th- I thought it was a game for uh, Stauber. I thought it was pretty solid. I thought it was a game for Samsonov. It, it looked like it was one that he just had to try to battle through. Uh, but it didn't seem to be a game where, where he was on 100% either. But, uh, yeah, it, it, the, the Leafs, 
you know, Chicago is one of the lowest scoring teams in the National Hockey League, and, and you give up four plus the empty netter. Um, I think you expected a lot more. And, and like Frankie said, you could have made it easy. Take care of your own end, limit their chances, and, um, you know, let the skilled guys take over. But um, more often than not against these teams, that wasn't the case. It's a tale as old as time with the Maple Leafs. Whether you're coming into Toronto or you're playing against the Leafs, it's a good opportunity because of the coverage that the teams get to make a statement. And sometimes people will be having a good year out in L.A., and they like to say, oh, this guy should be for the Norris, or this is the guy for the Selkie every time they come into Toronto. Well, there was a ton of noise about Patrick Kane, right, in his hip, and maybe he didn't have any game left. I don't know what you saw tonight, but I saw a guy with a lot of game left, and he wanted to make a statement against this team. Is that how you saw Patrick Kane tonight? Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I'm, st- I'm still not convinced that, um, you know, apparently he was uh, he was upset when the Tarasenko trade went through with St. Louis because uh, that was the place that he wanted to go. Uh, so I'm not 100% convinced that uh, he's got that same enthusiasm, whether it's Toronto or whether it's other teams. Uh, so I think that's always sort of the wild card with with Patrick Kane, Frankie. Is uh, I mean, he might still be trying to show the rest of the league he's still got something left. You know, five goals in two games now. But uh, you know, you wonder if he's. I, I don't know if it was directed uh, yeah. at at Leaf management or or anything else. I just think I think it's uh, in general. Yeah. Ralph, I, I just I just think that's in general because if something happens in Toronto or in this market, it just kind of gets picked up everywhere right and for Patrick Kane he's the kind of guy who he's won Stanley Cups like he's very accomplished as we all know but this is a guy who doesn't want to go out or have a reputation of kind of fizzling out and and when you play on a team like Chicago who's bad and he hasn't had his you know like he's had such premier line mates over the years and you look at who he's playing with now it's not exactly cream of the crop it's like Maybe he needed a little spark. Maybe he needed a little something to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show everyone. I'm going to show myself that, like, uh, I'm still for real. And, and I think there was a lot of teams that would have been paying attention to that tonight. It's like it's a little heads up to, like, this guy, is, uh, he's actually still got it. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, going into Friday, he only had nine goals. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, you can see that he turns it on. And uh, very quickly, it's it's been bumped up to 14. So, I mean, I think this uh, – I mean, you see it, um, you know, the vision, some of the little passes he makes that didn't always uh, develop into a great scoring chance, but just these little plays, um, you know, that's where you see where the comparison, Mitch Marner's comparison to Patrick Kane comes in, where you're saying they see the ice so well and, and they make these these subtle little plays uh, that all of a sudden develop into something great. And, um, you know, you, you don't take that away. Uh, you don't lose that. No. You might lose half a stride in the skating or... Uh, other parts of the game, but you know the hockey intelligence is is off the charts for Patrick Kane, and that's what we saw tonight. Ralphie, your thoughts on the trade and and how you see this moving forward? Um, I I liked it because I when I was on Leafs lunch uh, last week and before the trade was made, um, you know I was telling Al's uh, uh, brother Joey that I thought that uh, it would be better to trade for character as much as skill. And and I think that's what you're able to get. And even Achari last night, um, he and Nylander led the least with five shots on goal. So it was um, it, it was interesting to see. And then, you know, you've got the character of, of Ryan O'Reilly. And, you know, we talk about Patrick Kane and, you know, the pride that, that he's got to maybe put on the performance that he has in the last couple of games. Um, I think Ryan O'Reilly is going to be the same thing. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that have said, oh, it's, you know, he's slowing down. He's having a terrible year. He's not the... Uh, the Conn Smythe Trophy winner now that he was in 2019. 
um, and he's lost a step. And I think, you know, you challenge certain guys, you're you're going to get the best out of them. So uh, I like the fact that they, they brought in a couple of guys that are probably as, as known as much for character as they are anything else. Do you like um, seeing Tavares go on the wing with Ryan O'Reilly in the middle of the ice? I mean, when the, when the trade happens, initially you think, okay, you're going to go with a deeper center ice position. So you're going to have Ryan O'Reilly in the three hole, and you're just going to have depth that way. With this, it kind of seems like you're really loading up the top six, and it's something that you know maybe we've talked about from time to time. But uh, you know, Sheldon Keefe and John Tavares. Uh, both alluded to they've talked about moving Tavares to the wing as well. Like, do, do you like seeing him there? Is there anything in his game that you don't like about him on the wing? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to say it's a little bit early, Frankie, uh, yeah. to come up with a decision on it. Uh, you know, especially considering that uh, Jari and O'Reilly uh, fly in the day of the game yesterday and then Chicago today. Uh, hopefully, you know, things settle down. They get a practice in Buffalo tomorrow. But I do know that when when the trade was made, Sheldon Keefe said he was so excited because there were so many different combinations uh, that he thought the Leafs might be able to employ. And uh, you might find in Buffalo that, that Riley's, Earl Riley slides down to the third line. And it's not because they were terrible together, but um, I, I don't know if uh, uh, you could think of anything better than have that strength down the middle. And, and if that bumps David Camp down to the fourth line, uh, that that's you know a pretty good lineup. Yep. Of, uh, of four sentiment, uh, you know, and that's that's not even considering the uh, proficiency in the face-off circle. Ralphie, uh, so, I mean, that's a big trade. There's no question about that. Do you think they need anything else? Uh, you know I, know, I know Joe brought it up again about Luke Shen and, and maybe adding that, um, what did we call it, a kind of a Roman Polak, Zach Bogosian, um, yeah. you know, type player as, as a five-six guy to come in. Um, you know, I, I do think there is that that danger of doing too much. You know, the Florida Panthers had such a great season. Then they think, okay, we'll get Giroux, we'll get Ben Sherrod from Montreal, uh, which is what, you know, everybody says they want. They want some skill up front and toughness on the blue line. Florida went and got it, and it seemed to disrupt their their chemistry more than anything else. So um, even though, obviously, you're, you're going to try to ice the best team possible, I do think there's that fine line there where you don't want to mess with things too much and, um, you know, have things start to slip away. And uh, and I think it's good to reward guys that, you know, have had pretty decent seasons so far. It's hard not to look at the standings now, especially with the stuff that's going on around the league. And, you know, like at Tampa, they're three points back with two games in hand now. And, you know, you, you lost games to Chicago, Columbus, Arizona. We kind of know the list, right? Like, at some point, like, do you think this is something that you look back on and say, guys, we lost way too many. Like, we gave away way too many games early on in the season here. And, and like, I don't know. Like, you're looking for every edge, every possible advantage you have against another team in the playoffs. And and why why do you want to flirt with giving up home ice advantage now? Yeah, and I know. And then the Leafs have been so good at home this year as well. And, uh you know, even though Game 7, actually the last few deciding games played in Toronto haven't gone their way, I still think that's whether you, you'd rather play a deciding game, um, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to do it. But uh, you're exactly right, Frank. I think these are the games you look at and say, you know what, sometimes it happens. And we saw um, Tampa lose in Arizona, one nothing in a shootout, but, but they all shoot them like 48 to 20 or something like that. And, and to me, that's a game you can accept the loss in. And you know what? We outplayed them. We outchanced them. 
it was just one of those nights. But yeah. uh, when they, they keep coming back to back, and like I said, six games split between uh, Montreal, Chicago, and Columbus, and you only win half of them. Yeah. Uh, I think it's at the very least it's disappointed because and it does you know, it does happen to a lot of teams like Columbus since the All Star break they've beat Toronto they've beat Winnipeg they've beat Dallas right like those are three good teams that Columbus has beat it's just the the volume that it seems to happen with this team and every time you think they're on the, the right end of it like we talked in the pregame about how the Leafs played a a boring kind of game last night against Montreal and that's the recipe for them like that's when they play their best and then tonight it's like here come the dramatics. Like, here come the theatrics. And, and it, that's not the kind of game that suits this team at all. No, and, and I mean, I think when, you know, especially how much they gave up. You know, as you were saying right off the bat in the post game here, Frankie, um, you know, what they gave up. Uh, like, from the start, actually, the first period, you know, after Chicago scored to open um, scoring, I thought, you know what, okay, they've settled in. You know, they didn't generate a whole lot at the other end. Uh, they get the power play goal by Tavares, but you thought... That was a nice little first period. Uh, they finally got their legs under them about halfway through the period um, and then started to push, uh, you know, late in the period. And you thought, boy, this should carry over. And then it seemed like it was Chicago was the team that uh, that responded to it. And all of a sudden, that, that nice quiet game like you talked about last night against Montreal, and now it's gone. Now you're playing catch-up. But, but to give up a two-on-one when you've had to battle back from a two-goal deficit to tie it, I think that's... Um, that's disappointing. Like you said, there are other opportunities they gave up as well. But uh, all of a sudden, that you know, one of the lowest scoring teams in the league looked like one of the uh, um, the highest scoring teams in the league based on the opportunities they had. Ralphie, let's end on this. Uh, you know, we talk about Samson off on the road, but the Leafs on the road aren't that great. They're twelve nine and four. There are teams outside the wild card race that have that kind of a road record. What are they doing differently? Do, do you see anything, or is it just a number? Um, I mean, well, they did have that great stretch when they had that uh, didn't they won seven or eight in a row? I think when they uh, when they had that consecutive point streak. But um, I think they fall to something like four, eight, and one, Jim, in the last thirteen or so. Um, and it just it, it seems to be they they don't have the same control of the game or the pace of the game that they do at, on home ice. And I don't think that has anything to do with line changes. But they they seem to be more on their heels, um, waiting to see what the opposing team is going to do as opposed to just taking control of the game. And, and like Frankie said, just play a nice, simple game. Have the confidence that once you get the opportunities, you cash in on them, but look after your own end first. And and I thought back when uh, late October into November, that's what they were doing on the road. Uh, it was a very, very patient game, and the big boys came through when you needed um, somebody to get something done. And it, it just seems that, um, you know, they get – they find themselves, you know, scrambling. Like even the game they won in Columbus, they win three nothing. Um, it's a one nothing game when Columbus has a, a four minute power play. I mean, that game got a, could have gone off the rails as well. But uh, that's what I find. They don't seem to be as as patient on the road um, as they are on home ice. Ralphie, thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, boys. That's Jim Ralph and uh, the Chicago Blackhawks win on home ice 5-3. So we're talking about road records, Frankie. I'm just looking at the standings. I've got them all in front of me in road records. Uh, in the Leafs division, 19-6-2, Boston, uh, Toronto 12-9-4, Tampa 14-13-1. But when you go over to the Metropolitan Division, Carolina 18-4-6, the Devils 21-4-3, the Rangers 17-5-5, five and five, and here's the one that really is uh, doesn't make any sense. The Buffalo Sabres on the road are 17, 18, and 2, and only 11, 
14 and 2 on home ice. That makes no sense, does it? <laughs> so you said so they're 17 8 and 2 on the road. Yeah, on the road. And they're 11 14 and 2 at home. No, it doesn't make any sense. And huh. I think it, it kind of signifies the importance of having home ice advantage, especially in the Atlantic. You look at all three of these teams that are the top three with Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, they all have really heavy win records at home. And then um, outside of Boston, it's it's very average on the road. And so, you know, if, if that doesn't tell you how important it is to get home ice advantage as a team, it's like, what else is going to tell you that? Um, and of course, you want to see them improve on the road because you're going to need to steal a game on the road regardless. Um, you know, oh, it's yeah. just kind of the way the, the playoff seems to work. And so um, it, it's a weird stat for sure. I, th- I think Ralphie, when he says the word patient, that's the word that comes to mind for me um, on yeah. the road. It's like at home, they're okay kind of playing in their their neutral zone formation. It's like a 1-1-3 where they kind of stifle teams and they do a good job of insulating the front of the net. And it's like there's not as many odd man rushes against them. And then they go on the road and it, it's a little more run and gun. It's a little less organized. Guys are kind of on their own a little too much. And you start thinking, okay, like, you need to try and find a balance here on the road as far as you know pushing for offense but maintaining that defensive structure because that's what makes them a really good team when they play that boring defensive kind of game and then eventually you know they let their skill take over when, when the time is appropriate. I, I got to believe that they would be in that dressing room not very happy about this because uh, they just let it get away. They, they didn't seem to, to gain the upper hand at any point, did they? No, and, and you know what? You can only use the... Ah, we'll forget about that one. We'll burn the tape. You can only use that a couple times a year, and they've used that um, a couple times over now. So that yeah. that kind of mentality for this team, you know, now you, you, you're you're at the point where you have to face it head on, and you have to watch the tape, and you have to evaluate yourself as an individual, um, your team as a team, and say, what are we actually doing here? Because um, it's just the the points are too valuable. Home ice is is too valuable, and um, I don't know if you're you're paying attention here to this this Atlantic Division and, and the Metro and what's going on, but they're not that this has any implications on the Leafs right now. But there's going to be some teams here that are entering the playoffs with a lot of momentum, right? Yeah. Like there's there's some teams here that are making big pushes that are on um, real heaters, and so there's just there's there's a lot of competitive hockey being played in the Eastern Conference. It's not going to get easier as this as this stretch of hockey goes for the. Well, I, I think we lost Frankie, but I think what he's trying to say is it, it's time to uh, to tighten things up. This isn't the time of year to be giving gifts away, and, and this was a, a performance that they would certainly uh, re-examine. We'll step out and get Frankie back. This is Leafs Game Night on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and the iHeartRadio app and the Leafs Radio Network. Leafs game night, 5-3. Chicago wins at home ice over the visiting Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs getting set to take off and travel to Buffalo for their game Tuesday night. We'll have that for you. So the big question at the end of the game tonight, what was the difference? What was missing? So this is Morgan Riley and what the difference was tonight. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously uh, playing from behind uh, is not ideal. Um, thought the, a big goal by Noel at the end of the period, uh, you know, going to the third and then being able to tie the game was good and then obviously giving up odd man going the other way to give them the lead. Um, just mistakes like that, I feel like. Um, just kind of, you know, taking your eye off the ball and a good team can make you play. What stands out to you about, I guess, Kane and the challenge he yeah. on a night like this? Yeah, he's been, uh, he, he's been an elite player and an elite 
I mean, since he stepped in, and so it's a long time. And uh, so, again, when you give a team chances and entries and uh, odd man rushes and stuff, uh, I mean, those guys are going to make you pay. What challenges, if any, when you know someone like Rasmus comes out and it changes the whole right-left kind of dynamic with the mix of? Yeah, um, I mean, there's always challenges when you change lines and pairings and stuff. But you know, a, a, a good team and you know, good players have to be able to to adjust and and, and, and not let it affect you. Um, you know, obviously changing in, in pairs. Uh, you know, that's that's. I mean, bound to happen again this year between now and the end of the season. So um, we have to be able to adjust and you know play with whoever it is on that specific man. What did you see that made you go for the bank pass there tonight? Um, just you know, good communication uh, with Tim. Um, I know he likes that, so that's all. Morgan Riley talking about that nice setup, uh, the set play with Mitch Barner. That was fun, wasn't it? That was smart. There was a lot of communication there that didn't involve actually any talking. You know, like it's one of those things where if you're Riley, you kind of see a forward skating with a ton of speed, but you know you can't get it to him tape to tape. And for Marner, you're just kind of hoping, you're hoping Riley's on the same page as you. And sure enough, both those guys were. Um, and that's something that you hear Morgan Riley talking about, like like Marner likes that play. That's something they would have talked about in the past. And it's one of those things, there's like a cue that happens. Both guys realize it at the same time and you see a beautiful goal like that. As soon as I saw Marner pick up that puck, I was thinking if he brings this across the net, this is guaranteed to be a goal. It's just you freeze the goalie so well that way. So um, well done by both those guys. It, it was interesting, the the reporter asking the question there about line changes as far as the, right. the defense go and how that um, changes with the differing of partners. I thought there were a lot of times tonight where their changes were poor. And it would be an odd man rush going back into the leaf zone. And then sure enough, there's a couple forwards changing. And it's like, that's not the time to do it. Right. And and when the Leafs are playing their best hockey, oftentimes they're actually changing in the offensive zone. Like that's when they're kind of hemming the other team in and, and getting guys caught in on two minute shifts. And not only were they not doing that tonight, they were changing on the way back into the, their own zone. So guys were late getting back. Um, it was just it was one of those games for the Leafs where. It was a little sloppy with the puck, and, and it was sloppy um, with, with some of the minor details that turn out to be a, a bigger thing for them in, in that kind of game when you lose to Chicago. Yeah, I, I find what I watched tonight was fairly frustrating because you could see it slip through. Um, and, you know, when you tie it, you're down 3-1 and you tie it. You know, a lot of times the momentum shifts as soon as you tie it, and, and I think that's what happened. But but it's one that, that got away. What What would your level of concern be based on this performance tonight? Uh, it's, it's hard to like, if you wanted to, if, if I would say I'm fairly concerned with that, would that sure. mean anything at this point? Well, like, yeah, I think it does because this is, you know, as you said before, I mean, you're at a point of the season where these things have to be tightened up. I mean, you, you want to go, you want to sort of clean everything up so that you're, you're pushing forward with the right momentum. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And this, this is a momentum changer. Here's, here's the kind of like symbolism I'll, I'll put behind it. Okay. So you know, we always come back to this term with with this team, killer instinct, right? Like, where's their yeah. killer instinct? So many times in the playoffs where they've gone into game six and they've lost game six and then they've lost game seven. And we've seen examples of that time in and time out. And there was a game against Boston where Boston was, was kind of struggling. They were not struggling, but they had just lost three in a row, right? And I thought that was 
a good night for the Leafs to assert themselves as having this killer instinct that we always talk about. Boston's lost three in a row. You got an opportunity now to step on these guys in the middle of the season while they're already down, and they didn't take advantage of that. And you look at some of these games that they've lost against Columbus, where they're up 2 nothing. This game, where they're in this game, of course, and they have a chance to win it, and they find a way to lose it. And you, you see games like this where they find ways to lose, and you're like, man, like we're still waiting for that. And, and that's yeah. kind of what still concerns me about this team. And yes, you're going to lose. Ralphie talked about it. Yes, you're going to lose to bad teams. It happens. Yeah. But if you lose to a bad team where you outshot them 42 to 18, I think you can live with that. You lose to a bad team where you have a 2 nothing lead in Columbus or you know you have opportunities to win this game and you kind of keep blowing it, that's when it starts to get concerning, if that makes sense for you, Jimmy. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, I'm going to put an old-school analysis on it. Uh, I, I think that when, when the opportunity starts to slip away, that uh, you're looking for either uh, you know somebody on the ice to either do something, say something, or have a look on his face that tells you, it's going to change, and it's not an indictment on anybody, but I don't see that. Am I, am I right to well, say that? Here's, here's an example for you, okay? So if you're watching the game tonight, Jake McCabe took a pretty good run at Michael Bunting, and it probably could have yeah. been called interference because Bunting had kind of chipped the puck in. Puck had been gone for about a second. McCabe takes a run at him. So Bunting takes exception to it, which is all good. I like that, right? But then yeah. if, if you watch the facial expressions during the interaction – McCabe drops a glove like he's ready to fight and Bunting doesn't do it. And then McCabe kind of starts laughing like he has a chuckle. It's like at some point, you know, like it it seems like now every time he goes into those scrums, guys kind of start getting the laugh, the smile going. It's like they kind of know he's not going to fight. And I just wonder at some point, do you just drop your gloves and start wailing on someone just just so people don't have that reputation? So not everyone knows what's what's going on in those situations. Right. And um, it doesn't have to always be a fight that that galvanizes a group. It can be more than that. Like, I'm not that like super old school thinker that it always just needs to be you go in there, you fight, you get the boys going. And um, that's cool. It's great when it does happen, but it doesn't always have to be that. But every once in a while, it's not a bad play, especially when the game has opened itself up to you. Right. Like that's not one of those ones where you were just looking for it. You were searching the ice. How am I going to fight? How am I going to fight? That's one. It came to you. The opportunity presented itself. And now you have an opportunity to give your team a spark. So you actually didn't have to go searching for it. That's why it's like you just have to understand, have a good a good feel for the game. And, and, and that's one of those times where you can make that happen. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and it's not a fight. It, it's but it's a guy who has a look on his face, and he's going to do something. And sometimes it's a hard play. Sometimes he he sacrifices himself to make a play. But you know that this is the guy. And you know, quite frankly, it's a long time ago. But that was Doug Gilmore. You'd look at him on the ice, and it was a key situation, and he would do something, and you could see it in his eyes. And I, I think that's kind of missing here. I'm not saying that you know you need that exactly, but you need somebody yeah. to do something to, to sort of to wake everybody up to. Go Go, hey, our guy's doing it. Let's get out there. And that's and that's you know what the game has changed, right? So and and I agree with you. I love that. I love you know. I remember watching Doug Gilmore, and you could see when he gets that look in his eye, right? Like yeah. you know he's up to something, and he's going to try and spark his group. And the game has changed a little bit, but man, there's still parts of that that remain, 
right? And and yeah. it's up to the group where if a guy goes out and he throws a big hit and you hear the the sound of the boards kind of thundering, it's like that's when it's time on the bench to have a little giddy up and go, you know, a little energy or a guy you know, a guy like Mark Giordano, with the amount of times he lays down and blocks a shot, like that's a great opportunity for someone on the bench to try and get some energy through the bench. And so, you know, it's hard for us to to know because we're not down there. But, you know, when yeah. we're in the building doing games at Scotiabank Arena, that's one of the things we keep an eye on. It's like, okay, what's going yeah. on down there? What's Keith doing? Like, what's, what's the bench saying? And, um, you know, in a night like tonight, where maybe those things don't happen as organically, someone needs to try and manufacture that. And so the McCabe thing, let's go to that, that specifically. So, so you know that, you, you know, you describe what Bunting did and, 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 you know, that's, that's who he is. That's what he does, but the guy's laughing. So what you need is somebody else to straighten or wipe the smile off the guy's face. And I don't know how you no, do it. No, it doesn't have but, to be but, some, no, it, it doesn't need to be someone else. It needs to be the guy who's in the confrontation. Like if you okay. and I, Jimmy, were yeah. fighting over the popcorn at Scotiabank Arena and you grabbed it from me and you started laughing at me because you knew I wasn't going to do anything about it. What wow, do you, like, what do you true. think? At, at some point I got to push back and I got to give uh, you a little, you know, sure. a little right left combo. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's just, I don't I don't know what the holdup is with that, but at some point, yeah. if someone's looking at you face to face and they start laughing, it's like the you know the the pest routine might be not coming to an end, but you know people are catching on. You see, even the referees like there's a couple times tonight where the officials don't necessarily want to give um, Michael Bunting the benefit of the doubt. I mean, listen, he's an excellent player. We've seen yes. his skill shine through. We've seen how you know how. Um, how much he can draw penalties and draw players into taking bad penalties. All that is good. I love all that. Um, there's just, when, when the game gives you an opportunity to try and manufacture a little spark for your team and, and you play on that edge, it's a good opportunity to, to take that ball and run with it. It's a good opportunity, but you can't rely on it. I mean, I know what you're saying, and, and quite frankly, in a playoff series, that could blow up. Yeah, I mean that that could be a real disaster. He he could get called for, uh, or or not get not get the calls he wants, and and then if you're if you're gonna sit there and, and whine about it, you got a problem because they'll just go down and score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and okay, so think back to that Montreal series, right? Like there's that clip of Austin Matthews kind of getting ragdolled by Ben Sherratt, and he's got the smile on. And at the time, I I totally am on the side of Austin Matthews with that. I really am because I'm thinking. Why does Matthews need to get in any kind of altercation with Edmondson and Sherratt, right? But yeah. when that starts going down to other players, then that's when, when, it, when it starts to affect your team. And, um, you know, not everyone's Austin Matthews. He's in a league of his own on this team. He really is. Regardless of, of the season or what you think about the goal production, he's still the best player. Um, he still doesn't need to be fighting. Um, but you know, someone stares you down on the ice and it's not the first time it's happened this year. I think, um, it was Matthew Olivier, uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets who did the same thing to bunting during the game. He was giving him the wave or he was doing the, uh, the yappy, um, signal with his hand, basically saying, buddy, all you're doing is talking. Right. And you know, I just, I don't know how much of that as a player you can sit with before you eventually say, I'm dropping my gloves before you drop your gloves, and we're going to go here, and I'm going to arrive to the fight first. Um, well, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see if, if it happens. Yeah, oh, come on. In, in a seven-game playoff series, um, that's, that's an escalating situation that has to be answered to right away. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And it also yeah. depends who's going to be in your lineup. 
right? Like we've we've seen this yeah. team add some depth now, so you can't you can't think that Wayne Simmons is going to come running around the corner or Kyle Clifford. Like these are guys that for however tough they are and, and the kind of grit that they have played with over the course of their career, if you look at this roster right now, they don't factor in, right? So there's going to have to be guys on this 12-man unit right now that are going to have to maybe step outside of their comfort zone a little bit, uh, especially in a sec- seven-game series, right? Like there's, you, yeah. you talk about the investment that you have early on in that series, and, and you hope that investment pays off later on every time you chip a body. Every time you block a shot, every kind of scrum, every little face wash, punch after the whistle may not be for right now, but it is for game five, six, and seven. And so, you know, you're going to need other guys to kind of step up and provide a little little bit of that um, if those guys like Simmons and Clifford are not going to be a part of your team. Okay, we're going to step out. When we come back, we'll hear from head coach Sheldon Keefe. This is Leafs Game Night on TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network. Leafs Game Night. Chicago 5, Toronto 3. This is Coach Keefe on his assessment of tonight's game. I just thought we were clearly a very tired group right from the start and uh, made tired mistakes. How do you feel about Ilya's performance coming off the illness? Why we made it hard on him. I mean, you know, he did they didn't have a lot of chances or a lot of shots or anything like that, but they had they had some some really clean looks uh, at the goal tennis. We didn't do enough to support him tonight. What's standing out the most about Achari through two games? Just a reliable and responsible player on both sides of the puck, offensively, defensively. He just plays a very hard and simple offensive game, but yet plays with confidence and plays with his head up to make a play. Uh, obviously gets rewarded tonight going around the net, but he's been around the net in both games. And then defensively, just in good spots, has an incredible defensive stick, and he's just really heavy and hard on the puck. So when he when he pushes on you or leans on you, you stop generally. So very, very, very encouraged what we see from him. How much can a uh, having a day off, but then also a skate with the new guys kind of help? You know, establish the chemistry. Uh, I don't think a morning skate's going to do much of that, but I, I think the best thing for chemistry is playing games. So practice time and all that to become familiar with the system and structure, you know, is, is uh, perhaps important. Yet these are two very smart players that we brought in. So, you know, just like they would have said yesterday, you know, you just jump right in and play games is probably the best thing for them. Uh, in that sense. But yeah, practice time is always nice. Do you kind of watch this one because the group's tired off a of back-to-back, or do you, will you pick apart some of this with the guys? That- well, there's some things that, you know, some things that we did, you know, when you're tired, you got to be really smart and, and structured and all of that. And some of the you know, looks we gave up tonight are the result of just not being smart. I mean, the, the game-winning goal comes off of a four-man rush. Uh, that ends up being a man rush the other way. It's something that we talked about this morning because a very similar play happened yesterday. Came back to, to hurt us again tonight. Um, so those kind of mistakes you, you continue to look at. But in terms of the energy and the execution of the group, we knew this was going to be a tough one today. It's right there in the game. I mean, it's it's a one-one game. They get they get you know they get away with a very blatant trip that doesn't get called. And instead of us being on the power play, now we're down two-one. 
you know, you know, we hit the post instead of us being up 4-3, then shortly after they score and they're up 4-3. Like, you're right there in the game, so credit to our guys for that. But, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't play a good enough or smart enough game here today to, to uh, make up for what we were lacking in energy. How different was the Patrick Kane you had to face tonight versus the one that was in Toronto? The one in Toronto didn't get any free looks at the goalie. What was your sense of how much they fed off him tonight once he got rolling, Kane? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I thought we were right there. I thought, I mean, we break down the game. We were in control of the puck, control of the game quite a bit. We are in the offensive zone twice as much as they were. Um, so I don't know if that was necessarily uh, part of it. But obviously, you can't give a guy like that that many opportunities. They're going to score. Um, and you're going to get behind in the game. So that's that's that was a disappointing part. When you're, when you're playing a game like this tonight, like we were, you can't chase the game. You're playing from behind. That's, that's dangerous territory. So that cut up to us. Coach Keefe, uh, Frankie C., what caught your ear? I mean, that was like the greatest hits album of a, a loss against an inferior team right there. Chasing the game, um, gave their star players free looks. We were tired. It's like, that's the greatest hits right there. The thing that, yeah. that does stand out to me, though, is someone asked Sheldon Keefe about, you know, is that one of those games where you kind of just you, you burn the tape and you don't talk about it because the team was tired? I think that's all the more reason that you do talk about it with the team, right? Like that's that's yeah. one of those ones where you, you fire up a meeting with the team and you say, okay, I know on this shift, everyone is tired and this is what happens. So next time we're in a situation because guess what? It's a long season. It's a long playoffs. We will be tired again. When that situation arises, we're going to handle things differently, and this is how we're going to handle it, right? Like, I think it's important to nail that message across to your team. You don't just say, well, they're tired, so we're not going to look at that. No, like, that's all the more reason to do it, because when you're tired, you're not thinking straight, your legs aren't moving properly, and, and you tend to make mistakes. And so that, that's a good opportunity for Sheldon Keefe to, to pull some of those clips and tell these guys, okay, if we're tired again, we're not doing this stuff. Well, look, the Hockey Hall of Fame is full of people that learned how to succeed when they didn't have their A game or when they were tired. I mean, that that is not new stuff. That that if if that's a problem, then then I would be concerned. Do you agree with that? Well, listen, I think that's one of those situations where everyone's going to be tired throughout the course of a game, throughout the course of a season, and it's going to show, and you're not going to have your legs, and maybe you're not going to win every puck battle, but that's when you just, you know, you can call it your A game, your B game, whatever you want to call it, your game needs to adjust accordingly, right? And so if you think you're not going to get to many loose puck battles first, that's fine. Now you need to find a way to make sure you stay on the right side of your check in the in the right. defensive zone every single time because you know you're not getting to the puck first. Now you're in prevent mode. Um, you know, other things like if it's going to be if you're tired in the game and you think you're going to join a rush and make it a four-man rush, maybe that's not the time to do it. Maybe, like Ralphie said, that's the time to stay a little patient and let the play develop, and maybe it turns into offensive zone play instead of now you got to take a two-on-one back at your net and you give up the game-winning goal. Instead, that could have been a two-on-two, or that could have been, you know, there's so many different things that can happen off of one decision um, that that's made differently. So, it's a good opportunity for Sheldon to kind of hammer home certain principles and ideas when, when you have tired legs because the margin for error, man, it's small. You see it tonight like against a team like Chicago where, yeah, Patrick Kane has some clean looks because you let him get some clean looks. I know there's a one-missed call on Justin Hall, but um, you know even the first goal, like 
Timothy Lilligren, he's backing in a little too much into his net. Like that's that's a tired play. And then, you know, even when when it's it's in and around their net, it's like there's there's missed coverage. He's getting free looks. They're chasing the game. There's a lot of tired play out there, but there's ways you can counteract that. It just takes a little awareness. Yeah, just about a minute left to do this. But let me ask you specifically, uh, when you were playing, because, you know, when I started to do this, one of the first things I had to learn was, what do you do when you're not sharp? So some nights you don't have it. How do you get through that? Did you learn that as a player? Yes, Jimmy. Most nights when I was not sharp and I didn't have it, I didn't go back on the ice. That was how I dealt with things. And that was not a decision that I made. That was a yeah. decision that was most of the time made for me against my will. Now, if I did, if I was allowed to go back on the ice, I would have probably, as a defenseman, I would have stayed within the dots. I probably wouldn't have tried to join the rush as much. I probably would have found whoever my responsibility is and made sure I'm always on the right side of him, like between that yeah. player and the net. Um, and listen, who am I kidding? Like, I've played tired games. It's just... You know, I like to have a little fun at my expense from time to time, but it is it is easier said than done. It's a long season, it's a grind, but there's a lot to be learned for the Leafs after a game like that, where you let it slip away, and um, it's another game that you lose to an inferior opponent. That you know, it it happens, but it shouldn't happen that often to this team. Frankie, take the rest of the night off. Thank you very much, and we'll talk on Tuesday. This is Leafs game night on TSN 1050 and the Leafs Radio Network.